We are so pleased and honored to welcome Haley Jones from the championship Stanford Cardinal. Oh my goodness, what a tournament, not just for Stanford, obviously winning the entire thing, but for women's basketball as a whole. Haley, we are so proud and honored that you have decided to join us today on Christie's Court on the Field of 68 Podcast Network. Of course, thank you so much for having me. And this year, obviously, for Stanford in particular, you all had challenges all season long that were kind of multiplied in several ways because you did not have your home court because of the COVID protocols in your county there in California. What was it about that kind of grit and no complaints allowed mentality that carried you through to help you win that one possession championship game against Arizona? Yeah, so we were on the road for 10 weeks because Santa Clara County didn't allow us to be in Maples. Uh, so that really, I think, as a team brought us closer together. And it just being on the road, you learn so much about each other. And days that you don't want to be with each other, you still are forced to be. So you just learn so much. I think that we grew so much as a team. And it really just kind of boosted our toughness and greediness for the season. And we knew coming in, if you're going to come and not opt out of the season, you're opting in. Um, our logo, our logo, our slogan was all in. So no matter what bump in the road, no matter what we had to go through, we were all in. Um, so we just kind of dove into it. And Tara said our middle name was flexible. So, I mean, we were very flexible the entire time on the road. And um, I think just once we got to the tournament time, we we're like, we've been through so much. We've been in a bubble before. We've been in more than a bubble. Um, we lived at a hotel, so it really wasn't anything new. And we just knew we wanted, it's been such a historic season for Tara already. And we just been through so much. It was like, we just got to leave this season with no regrets, leave it all, all out there on the floor. And um, luckily it paid off in the end. Well, take us back to when Tara surpassed the late, great, iconic Pat Summit for the most wins in women's college basketball. And, and what that moment meant for you all. I was watching that live and, you know, my eyes were wide and I was absorbing the moment through the TV. But you were right there and you earned that moment for her as a player. What was that moment like and what was she saying to you and the team about that moment? Yeah, um, I mean, Stanford is a historic program and that's all due to Tara. She made it what it is today. So um, being able to just really imprint uh, our foot in that, in that part of that legacy that she's created is amazing. We love Tara so much and she's instilled so many life lessons in me. So uh, to be able to do that for her and with her and with this group of girls after all that we've been through this season, it was such a surreal moment. Um, it was just amazing to see her smile, put that T-Dog comfy hoodie on her. Um, it was just such an amazing moment that I really can't put into words how amazing it felt to be able to do that for her. But she's so humble and she was just like, this is all thanks to all the great players that have come through here. Um, you guys for being able to help me do this. Um, she was really just looking on to the next um, because she knows that it's, there's still so much more of the season to go. So she's like, this is great for now. We're going to celebrate today, but tomorrow we're going back to practice and we still have to get on the road. Like it doesn't mean right. we're going home, but nothing's changed for the rest of the season. So she was just her usual humble goat self and just looked on to the next challenge. I love that usual humble goat self. And that's <laughs> perfect. And you know, people call her the professor. You all call her T-Dog. Do you, I know that was on the back of the comfy that mm -hmm. you, her for uh, surpassing that 
that iconic win record, but do you all actually call her that? Like in practice, I hate T-Dog, I have a question cool. about the press offense, or is that like, what no, is that? No, 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 it, during practice, it's just Tara, but um, on random occasions, we'll hit her with a T-Dog, um, just to put a little smile on her face. But I think Anna Wilson came up with T-Dog and we all just kind of followed suit. I love that, that's so cute. And, and what else I thought was amazing about this championship year for you all, that it was 29 years removed from the last one. And there have been a couple of stops at the final four, but no more championships since 29 years back. And Tara was on the sidelines then. What is it about her sustained excellence that brought you to Stanford as a freshman? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier Stanford's a historic program, and there's been so many great players to come through there. But I think one thing that really stood out to me about Stanford was the people that you meet and the connections, and then also the type of players that come out of the program once they're done. Tara not only makes you better as a basketball player, but just as a young woman going out to the world. And so like looking at Shanae and Neka Gumake, like they're both in the um, w WNBA, like players associations, like president, co-president, Shanae's doing everything on ESPN. And then Neka's working with Adidas and they just have so many different things that they're doing outside of basketball. And I've always um, kind of looked at the whole picture. I'm not just a basketball player. I'm a person. I have all these different interests outside of it. And I think that throughout the recruiting process, Tara really saw that in me and harped on how she could help me cultivate all my different passions here at Stanford. So I think that really drew me to the program um, just because she saw me as not just a player. She saw me as a whole person and she wants to help me grow in every aspect of my life. So um, I think that her being able to sustain this excellence, um, even in the long drought that we had of that 29 years, it's just, she's continuing to bring in these great people every year who continue to grind and um, they play for each other. I think that she doesn't bring in selfish players. Um, she just brings in great people and we all get along. We just all have great chemistry and we work hard. So I think yeah. that's why we're able to sustain such excellence. Beautifully stated. Let's take it back to maybe a 10 year old Haley Jones. And when I think of you now, you know, as your four years at Stanford, when I think of you now, the word steadiness comes to my mind. And I think a lot of other people would agree. But take us back to the 10-year-old Haley and what you saw in the women's game. I mean, it's the 25th anniversary of the WNBA, so you've basically grown up with that league right there in your eyes. But what is it about you and your mentality and your love of the game? Where did that stem from? And was that around the age that you fell totally in love with the game? Yeah, um, I think I was just immersed into basketball from, uh, from such a young age. My parents were the head varsity high school coaches at Santa Cruz High, so in our local town. So I grew up being on the sidelines, being passed around the stands from parents. The girls on the teams were always like older sisters to me. I was the ball girl. I was the staff girl. I would just be sitting on the bench during games. So I was just immersed from such a young age into it. So I just kind of just grew up with basketball culture in the house. And um, when I was young, I played every sport imaginable. Um, so I didn't really ever like choose basketball. It was just kind of like always a steady constant in my life. And um, once I kind of got better at it and I was like, okay, I can really do something with this. I cut off all the other sports going to high school. But I mean, it's just basketball. It just I just grew up with it. So I think it was just always this like hidden passion of mine. And then once I finally immersed myself, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I just fell in love with it more. And I've just kind of continued to work. Um, and I just love being around the people who I play with. Um, all my best friends always come from basketball. So I think I just like 
um, being around people that I love and basketball comes with that. And so I just kind of always found my love in the game and with the, the people I'm around. And it just makes me want to work hard for myself, work hard for them. Um, yeah, it's just kind of always been a part of my life. We'll get back to that interview in just a minute. But before we do, I need to tell you guys about a deal that our partners over DraftKings Sportsbook have cooked up. How many of you are NBA fans? I ask because for a limited time only, DraftKings is offering Field of 68 listeners and viewers a chance to turn $1 into $100 of free bets. This is how it works. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Deposit using the code FIELD68, this FIELD68, and then bet on one team to win. Any team, doesn't matter who. If the team that you bet on hits a single three in that game, then your account will be credited with $100 in free bets. How simple is that? They are giving away money. So go do it. Now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code FIELD68 when you do. Make a bet on an NBA game. When the team that you bet on hits a three, you win $100 in free bets. What are you waiting for? The offer is only available for a limited time, and it's only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I love that story because I'm a high school coach. I coached in college for 10 years, but I have three teenagers, and our middle child is a daughter. I coached her for the last four years. She's a high school senior this year. She's going out to play at Georgetown next year. But that dynamic of being a parent, and you just painted that entire picture of being in the gym and the parents keeping an eye, you know, when you go out to the concession stand. But you had both of your parents as your coach. That dynamic is so intriguing because there, there is that line, you know, when you're at dinner or you're in the car after a, a tough game or you're in the car after a great game. What was that dynamic like to have your parents coaching you in high school? Yeah, so um, actually, so my mom, uh, so my parents were the coach of the local high school. I grew up, my mom was my coach, my dad was my brother's coach. And so me and my mom um, at practices when I was younger, you know, we had to set boundaries. We're on the way to practice, she's my mom. At practice, she's my coach. I'm calling her coach. I was the least favorite on the team. And I was always getting yelled at, but then once we get in the car, she's my mom again. And, you know, sometimes even if I had a bad game, she had to be my mom. But that allowed for since my dad was my brother's coach, my dad could get harp on me about stuff. But my mom couldn't. So my mom was also harping on my brother about things. And then my dad couldn't. So there's that dynamic that we had going on. And then once I got into middle school, she stopped coaching me Um, in high school. I played for uh, Sue Phillips at Midi in San Jose. But it was always still like oh, you want to watch film today, Haley? We get back from the game. Oh, I'm not your coach anymore. Now I can talk to you about it. And I'm like, no, no, no. We still got to keep these boundaries, even though you're still not my coach. Like, I need you to be my mom. Yeah, sure. We can watch film. We can go outside and shoot. Not today. We're doing that tomorrow. Like, I need some time. So, yeah, it was just always just having lots of communication about what I needed at the time, um, which we had a very open relationship about everything going on. Oh, that's perfect. And that's beautiful. And that's how it should be, right? I mean, the mom had coach hat we can we can do many things as we've seen women um along the journey of life for sure but when you talk about the the connection that you had with with tara in the recruiting process and your parents obviously both entrenched in the game and your brother as well when it came time to narrow things down and i know you said that that it was just a perfect fit for you but how tough was that so if there are high school kids listening to this how tough was that for you to kind of narrow down that list? And now there's such a different dynamic with the 
transfer portal and coaches kind of tapping into that before tapping into the high school student athletes, what kind of advice can you give those younger high school athletes about the recruiting process and how that's changed? Yeah, so I had a very long recruiting process. It started um, basically heading into eighth grade and I was the last person to commit my class. So I have lots of things I can say about it. But um, I took all five of my official visits that were offered. Um, I went to Stanford, UConn, South Carolina, Notre Dame, and Oregon. And I had been talking to these schools for years on end now. So I had great relationships with all the staffs. Um, The thing that I really focused on, and I got lots of advice about this, was when I went on my visits, I asked the tough questions. You know, where do you see me playing in your program? Um, Do you see me being immediate impact? Do you see me being behind someone and kind of getting like little minutes here and there learning the ropes? Um, Just like just tough questions that you need to ask um, that kind of are uncomfortable, but you need to know when it comes down to making your kind of pros and cons list at the end. But the other thing I did was I'm a huge people person. So my advice would be when you go on these visits or you're talking to these coaches, ask to talk to the players because the players are going to tell you like it is. These players went through the same uh, recruiting process that you did. And now they're actually at the schools. They're going to tell you, do I like it? Do I not like it? This is what I like about the coach. This is what I don't like. This is what I like about practice. This is what I like about the team, the school, whatever, how it really is. So I would recommend to talk to the players there. And then when you actually do go on your visit, spend time with them. Because when you get to campus, that's who you're going to be spending 90% of your time with. You're going to have friends off the team. You're going to be hanging out with them. But you're a practice of the team. You travel, you eat, you play, you do everything like that. You do film, you do extra workouts with them. So you need to love the people that you're around or else your experience isn't going to be what you want it to be. Um, So I would just recommend really getting to know the players and really asking the tough questions. Um, And yeah, just just getting as much information that you can about the school before you make any decision. I think that people have been making a lot of early decisions recently, and that's why you see so many people in the transfer portal this year. and I mean, it's just kind of on the rise, which it, it's crazy. So I just think that you really need to get all of the information that you can. And that may be putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, uh, having awkward silences on the phone with these coaches. But you need to know what you're getting yourself into and you need to know the people that you're going to be around. So that's what I would recommend. Perfect advice. I mean, it has just been it's just an inordinate amount of, of players entering the portal. So I appreciate that advice for our youngsters who are watching this and wondering what in the world is going on, right? Um, the high school and middle school kids in particular, for sure. But with that being said, let's fast forward. Let's, let's dive right back into this year's final four. And at the beginning of the tournament, there were some indiscretion, some indiscrepancies with, with the inequalities for the food and, and all of that. There has been a voice for women in sports over the last couple of years. And I don't know if it's because we've been forced to be still and really look and evaluate and see exactly what's going on or what the actual push is, but I love it. And the WNBA has been that voice for women's basketball and for women in sports, but so as the women's soccer team, the U S soccer team as well. But how has seeing what the WNBA and, and the national soccer team seeing what they have been able to do with their voices? How do you think that has empowered their college student athletes in particular this season with what was going on in San Antonio that wasn't fair? Yeah, um, it's an unfortunate reality that we live in, that those are still things that we have to deal with. Um, 
all the time on the daily, basically. Um, but I think seeing these high profile athletes that you look up to from, from such a young age, speaking out, using their platform for what is right and advocating for what they believe in, um, it's just empowering to see that you can do that yourself. And I think that social media has become such a big thing. And I think that athletes have these huge voices. And in years past, athletes don't want to use their voices to advocate for something that might be, um, you know, that might lose some followers or basically, or lose your following or whatever that may be, lose your audience. Um, because, you know, you're worried about those types of things. But I think seeing these high profile athletes start to speak out about it and not care about if you lose your audience or whatnot, it's really just empowering. And it's a boost of confidence that you can do to yourself. And I've always been the type where with social media, I post, I try to be authentic with it, you know, because I think so many people put out something that's not who they really are uh, off the screen. And so I'm going to advocate for what I believe in because that's the platform that I have. And if people don't agree with these things that I only see, like it's black or white, like with these types of issues, there's no gray area with these types of things. So it's like, if you don't see it in the way that I think is right, um, and like, I'm open to new perspectives and everything like that. But like, if you don't see it this one way, like, I just don't see how it can see, be seen as wrong. And so um, like with me, and I think that this upcoming group generation of athletes, it's just kind of like, if that's not what you believe in, um, then you don't have to be following me. And that's okay. I'm not mad that I'm losing followers over this or anything like that. If, if this isn't the message that you want to see, then you don't have to see it and you don't have to follow me and everything like that. But this is what I'm going to advocate for because this is what I believe in. And if I lose followers, it's really, it's whatever, because this is, this is my platform and I'm going to use it to speak up for what I believe in. Oh, I love it. Oh my <laughs> God. I had goosebumps on top of goosebumps on that, Haley. That's exactly right. And, and that, that, that just empowers not just the generation coming behind you, but the generation ahead of you, me. I mean, just hearing you say that, that's what we need. We need people unapologetically standing up for what is right. And the more of that, the better for our world and for the future of our, our kids and, and the student athletes, especially young women who are watching that for sure. And, and with that being said, your next step will be what in life? My next step after college, after basketball? Yes, so um, I've decided to declare I'm gonna uh, major in communications and I wanna have different focuses in sociology, African-American studies, journalism, different things like that. Uh, doing interviews and having a lot more media interactions, I've kind of realized that I, I want to go into the field of sports broadcasting. Um, so that's what I'm really interested in doing. So I'm excited to start uh, shadowing Roz Goldamude at some point. I've been talking to a lot of different Stanford alum, talking to Shanae, how to get into the field. So I'm just kind of excited to keep immersing myself and trying to make connections as I go along and uh, hopefully career long hopefully pursue a long career in sports broadcasting after my career in basketball is over. So that's what I'm excited for. Oh my goodness. I'd love that. And I tell you what, um, Cheryl Miller was the person who inspired me uh, back in the day. And I was in the final four a uh, hundred years ago with, with Maryland, but Cheryl Miller was the analyst on our game and that motivated me. So to have Shanae and, and NECA and, all, you know, just to have, the people right there in front of you. And Roz is a really great friend and she is spectacular. So you have those Stanford alum connections in that way, but it's such a fun journey 
And it's a great way to stay involved with the game. No question about it. And your passion, you exuded that. I mean, two one possession victories in the final four. What does that championship mean for you personally? The way that you got it done, the way that you put the team on your back, especially in that championship game, the team needed a bucket. You were getting the stops, but you guys needed a bucket and you gave it to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, but I'm very calm when I play. I think I'm good at uh, kind of keeping my emotions to the side, uh, even though like, you know, certain plays, you just got to let out that passion. Like and ones, you just got to yell, stuff like that. Get your teammates hyped involved as well. But I think I'm very level headed when I play. Um, so when it came down to those moments, I really wasn't too high or too low. I was still just in the moment. And I think that my teammates have confidence in me when I don't have confidence in myself. So when it came, when it comes down to those shots and they're giving me the ball, run on the play for me, I'm hot that game, whatever it may be. I know that even though I may be internally freaking out, I'm like, they have their confidence in me. They trust me. They believe in me. So I feel like I find my confidence in them sometimes, um, which is helpful because then it just kind of relaxes me. I'm like, they think I can do it. I can. Like Tar thinks I can, I can. So um, when it comes out of that, that you just have this great support system with you, it really doesn't seem like that big of a moment. I'm just there. I'm with my team. The crowd is silent. It's just like an empty gym. We're playing with my team. Um, so I think that on the biggest of stages, it's really, it's really just I'm focused on them. And I want to play the best that I can for them. So, um, yeah, it was amazing to be able to make those shots for the team that we needed in crunch time. Um, but, yeah, it was just it was amazing. And when that confetti fell after that buzzer sounded, what kind of conversation or interaction did you have with Tara? It was just she was proud of me. And um, hearing that from someone that I look up to that's a legend of the game, uh, it's just it's amazing to hear it. And it's heartfelt. And uh, we have such a great relationship. So just hearing her say, like, I'm proud of you. We needed you. And you rose to the occasion. And um, she's known how much, how hard that injury was for me last year and having to sit on the sidelines. But, um, you know, I watched a lot of film. I talked to them a lot on the sidelines last year. So to see it kind of all come together in these big moments was just amazing. And having her embrace me like that, it was just, it was surreal. It was, it was terrific to watch. Uh, what a storybook career for you. And what a, a fine example of sustained excellence, as we spoke about with Tara Vanderveer surpassing Pat Summit earlier this year, and then capping the season off this way with two one-possession victories in the final four. And Haley, we're going to be watching for you, not only in the WNBA, where you're going to bring that steadiness, you're going to be like that duck in the water, steady on top of those feet, underneath are, are rolling. That's that's a perfect description of, of what you bring to the game, but your voice is so vitally important. So please continue to use that in the way that you choose. And you have such a strong purpose and such a strong, uh, just incredible future ahead of you. So I just want to wish you the best personally from me to you. And just thank you for what you have done in a Stanford uniform, a WNBA uniform, and moving forward into the broadcast booth where you will be outstanding because you came to Christie's court today and you got some shots up and in. You are a fantastic guest today on the Field of 68 Network, and we appreciate your time for our interview today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time.